Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Let's open up our Bibles to Luke's Gospel, the second chapter. Of course, if you're going to speak about the birth of the Lord Jesus, you're going to use Luke's Gospel. But we're going to do more than that this morning. We're just going to read this here, talk about it for a little bit. Remember the story there? <coughs> the decree went out, the taxing went forth, all went to be taxed. Joseph went with Mary. Pick it up in verse 8. And they were in the same country, shepherds abounding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And though the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for the power. I thank you for the glory. I thank you for the Spirit of God that will bring forth this word in light, in life, and love, dear Father God, that we may walk therein in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. Well, we talk about the birth of the Lord Jesus, and uh, we talk about His coming. We talk about all that happened, the great wonders, the angels, the glory of God. And sometimes I think we just talk about it as a tradition, religion, just another day, just another service, an observance of a day that we set aside just to thank the Lord that Jesus came. And basically, that's about what you hear. And so as I was in communion with the Lord, the Spirit of God said to me, I want you to speak about the why of Jesus. Why did He come? The why of Jesus. Why did He have to be born? So... If you're wanting to know what the message of this is, it's the why of Jesus. Amen? The why of Jesus. I know that He was born. I know I was born too. But why was He born? Why did Jesus come? Why? And not only why, but did He do and fulfill the reason for which He came? Did He? And if He did, what does that mean to you? And what does that mean to me? Why did Jehovah have to leave the spiritual world and intrude into this sense knowledge world to speak to us? Well, that reminds you of the story of the fellow that I heard it once and I thought it was good for the incarnation said that his wife tried to get him to go to church. He wouldn't go. And so uh, he stayed at home that night and it was a Christmas service. He said, I couldn't understand the incarnation. So he just sat there at home and watching television while she went to church. And uh, he was sitting there hearing some things hitting against his window. He did some strange noises and he went out to the back and he saw that there was birds flying into his window. And they were hitting the window and falling down and there was just a bunch of them just laying out back there. Freezing in the cold. And he says, well, if I could just go out there and my garage is heated. I'll just open up the garage door and get them inside there and keep them warm. So he went out in the backyard and uh, while he was... Back there, he opened up the garage door. It was nice and warm inside there. He had the heater, you know, on. And he says, if I could just get him in here. 
and he couldn't get him in. You see, he's not a bird. He's from another world. Every time he approached them, they'd walk away and get away from him. And so he just stood there and looked at him and said, Boy, if I could just communicate with them, if I could just become a bird. And as soon as he said, Just if I could become a bird, the church bells rang. And he got on his knees and looked up and said, That's why God had to come and become a man. We was lost like these birds. We couldn't find the way back home where the warmth of God was. That's why he had to leave his throne. That's why he had to come. That's why he had to come in this sense realm where we could see him and, and talk to him so he could tell us himself what he wanted. He said, now I see it. Now I see it. Now I understand Amen. <coughs> and you know, even though he's come, it's a sad thing to say. A lot of people don't know him yet. They don't know why he came. He still has a hard time communicating with them. Because you see, he was not of this world. He was of that world. And you're going to understand him with your head. You're not going to know the Lord Jesus. See, Jesus said, This is life eternal, that they might know thee. The only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And you're not going to know God the Father, or Jesus, in your head. Your head will not comprehend His great love for you. For Paul said in Ephesians, the third chapter, this love passes knowledge. Isn't that right? But you see, you're only going to know Him when you enter into the same realm. The spiritual realm. The realm of the supernatural. Knowing God the Father and Jesus Christ. Knowing God the Father through Jesus Christ. He said, but this is life eternal. This is what eternal life is all about. Well, why did He come? Well, let's, let's stop here just for a moment. You got in Second Peter, the first chapter, verse 2. You remember, Peter said something in the second verse. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. I like that. Through the knowledge of Him. That is called, I've been called to glory, and I've been called to virtue. He's called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great precious promises, that by these we might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness. And the brotherly kindness, charity, for if these things be in you and abound, they make it either to be barren, these be barren or unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord, in the knowledge of our Lord, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if he, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, but he's forgotten that he's been purged of his old sins, wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. Why did he come? Why did he come? Notice Paul, he, or Peter here said in verse 2, through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him. Notice he said in the, 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 the verse 3, he said through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him. You see, he says, according as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him. 
Notice he said, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge, through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And then in verse, the next verse, well, right on down there somewhere, 6, 7, or 8, he said that if these things be in you and abound in you, they'll make it either be barren or unfruitful in the what? In the what? People don't have knowledge of Jesus. They don't know why he came. They don't know why he had to come. They don't know what he did. All they know is he came and we celebrated on the day and just go to gather together and we give and give and give. And there's a great, great you know, atmosphere, spiritual atmosphere around the Christmas season. There's no question about it. I'm totally convinced. I said, now, Father God, why is it that there's some, something about in the air? It seems like there's a giving spirit. There's a giving heart. Why is it that every time the Christmas season comes around, and the Spirit of God just said to me, because people want to give. Oh, can you imagine if Christmas was every day for 365 days a year and all you had, the sole purpose of your heart, was to give? Oh, what kind of a world would we live in? But you know what? In the family of God, that atmosphere should be every day of your life. Well, why did he have to come? We've got to have some knowledge. Why he had to come? There's something I want to say to you. Notice he said, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Why did he say grace? What is this thing about grace that we need to know and understand in the, to know have more knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? We live in the dispensation of... Okay, we live in the age or the dispensation of grace. Why in this dispensation did Jesus have to come in a physical body? How does it relate to our experience, our Christianity, in our dispensation? Remember Isaiah says, Who shall his generation declare? There have been more than one generation and more than one dispensation. And I think if you've never studied dispensational teaching, it would be good for you to get a little bit of insight into it right now. First of all, we've got the dispensation of the eternal past. We don't question where God came from, who He is, what, so on and so forth. We just know that God always was. That's the dispensation of the eternal past. Isn't that right? Okay. We don't question the, the uh, pre-Adamite age. Now, you remember that before Adam came, there was something here on this earth. We understand that. There's not a whole lot of knowledge about it. Why not? Stop and think about it. I, I would believe this. If God gave you more knowledge about that, you'd be studying about, about that more than you'd be studying about Jesus. These things seem to intrigue people. Like I, like I said about the book of Revelation, we're going to get to that in a minute. These things seem to intrigue people. And they go back and they just want to, you know, live in that dispensation. And, and I've talked to a lot of people, even some ministers. And did you know way back here, and, and this happened, and that happened? And I said, brother, sister, thank God that it happened. I don't live there. I don't live in that dispensation. That's not my dispensation. We, we have knowledge, limited knowledge, about the chaotic world dispensation. When Lucifer fell, and, and his, the host of the angels, and who, who, who cares who, how many they were, who, where they came from, if there were Adamites upon this face of the earth, pre-Adamites, and they joined his, his team and so on and so forth. It happened. I know it happened. We know there are demons here. We know Lucifer fell. He's the devil. That's all there is to it. I know that. That's all I need to know about it. If I need to know more, it had been written. But I don't live in that dispensation. I don't live in that age. Do you? I live in an age when Jesus came. I want to understand that. Well, then we can go on. I've got them listed here. We got the age of recreation. Now we're starting to get. Remember, I said to you a long time ago, the Bible is progressive revelation. You see, a little more, a little more. In this next dispensation, we find about Adam. Now we start to understand some things because God wants you to understand a little bit more. We know somewhat about Adam. We don't know a whole lot about Adam. 
We know that he had dominion. We know that he was made in the likeness image of God, a shade lower than Elohim, who is the very image of God, you know, God himself. We understand that. We understand the place that he had. We understand that he could have partaken of the tree of life and made himself one eternally with God. The Father become a son of God, joint heir. Did you see what God over the whole works? But he didn't. He became one with the devil, partook of the wrong nature, and was hooked up with him. That's another dispensation. That's another age. We've got the age of innocence in the Garden of Eden. We don't know a whole lot about that, but we know that he fell. We've got the age of human government. Noah's time. Babel's time. We can go right on down the list. The age of promise. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's time. And every dispensation, every age that gets closer to us, there's more light. 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 Brothers and sisters, we are living in the age of the most light. Do you know why? Until the next age comes, we have the most light. They'll already have our experience once our age is done. So in God's plan, in His circle of the ages, we've got many dispensations that have already been passed. 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 I said this before. Study the Old Testament in the light of the New. Amen. Okay, we go on and you've got the dispensation of the law. Now, it's necessary that you need to know something about the dispensation of the law. But I'll say this. You don't live in the dispensation of the law. You don't live under the age of the law. Isn't that right? Now, the law was from Moses unto Calvary. When Calvary, when Jesus died, was raised from the dead, that dispensation, that age ended. It ended. It was fulfilled. A new order came. A new order came. It started with the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's going to end with the rapture. If you want to have some foundational teaching for when the rapture is going to occur, like I said, as I look at God's order and His plan for the ages... It doesn't seem even feasible why he would want to intrude into any of the other dispensation before he ends this dispensation. Did he not say until the time of the Gentiles has come? Did he not say until the, uh, that next dispensation, the last seven years would come when something is removed out of the way? Let's stop and think about it just for a moment in Daniel's prophecy when he was told about all the events that were going to take place to Israel, the Jewish nation. There was something inserted there that's not mentioned, which is the church age, our dispensation, the dispensation of grace that you and I are living in. But then it picks it back up afterwards and goes back to the last seven years. Why should this dispensation right here intrude into any of the next dispensation? Why? For what purpose? One has the end for the other one to begin. Now, Jesus came, and this will do you some, it'll give you some light. It'll give you some understanding about where you're living right now. Jesus came at the end of the dispensation of the law. But if you understand why Jesus came, you understand why he had to come at the time that he came to end that dispensation. And you're going to understand that there are many that are living by the teachings of the Gospels, the four Gospels. Not that we shouldn't understand them. Not that they aren't the biographical sketches of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not that I shouldn't know what's in them. But I want to say something to you. The things that he said in the four Gospels, a lot of the things that he said there, really pertain to natural human people. Natural people. 
But blessed be God, you and I, we are after Calvary. You and I are living in a dispensation, being born again, a dispensation of grace. The law was fulfilled. An example. He said, if you had the faith as a grain of mustard seed, well, they didn't have that kind of faith. And they couldn't have it in that dispensation. But you and I, he did Paul doesn't say if you had faith. He says, you are believers. You have faith. You have the faith of the Son of God. See? And we try to study our Bible in the light of another dispensation. That latter part where we're going to see in the Gospels, when Jesus came to see what He did and what He fulfilled. If you understand what He did and what He fulfilled and understand what took place after that and get into your own dispensation, brothers and sisters, I want to say something to you. You're going to start living like God wants you to live. In the power God wants you to live in. Now, we got the dispensation of grace. As I said, it's going to end. It has to end in the rapture. Tribulation period, the, last seven, the next seven years... Is another dispensation. It's another age. And when that ends at the second coming of Christ, you're going to have another age, the millennial reign of Christ. Isn't that right? Then you're going to have another age, the renovation of all the earth. And then you're going to have another age, which I'm looking greatly forward to, and it's called the eternal future. When the throne of God has made its home with man forever, and you and I are caught up in the glory and we are ruling and reigning with Him in eternal glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That's our dispensation. Stop trying to live in Revelation. There has never been given to the church a word that we cannot understand or get confused over. And if you're trying to... I'm, people, I read after them. You, you get 20 people that try to explain Revelation. they got to come up with 20 different theories. Don't they know? What's the matter? No, I'm not trying to knock that. I'm just saying that's another dispensation. Why don't you live in our dispensation? Why don't we live in our time? Why did Jesus come? Well, why did He come? Let's, let's look at it. Matthew's Gospel, first chapter. You ready for grace and peace to be multiplied unto you? Oh, glory. Look out. It's going to be multiplied unto you. Not through the knowledge of the book of Revelation. Not through the knowledge of the book of Genesis and all, you know, they all help, you see. But the other ages have not come yet. And we are living in the time of the most light given to humanity. It's the knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. And when the next dispensation comes, I guarantee you, beloved, they won't be confused. They'll live right in it. So let's stay in our own dispensation. Let's stay in our own time. Let me say something else to you. The four Gospels were written to the world. The book of Acts is the history of the church. It's beginning. The epistles are written to the church at Midland. <laughs> the epistles. That's right. You start living in them, beloved, you won't be, you won't be concerned about what's going to take place. You may be raptured right before rapture comes. <laughs> I mean, you'll be so caught up in the big glory world. You say, who cares? Argue all you want. I'm just living in the presence of Jesus. Yeah. I'm an arm with the Master. Death had no dominion over me. I'm not dying anyhow. Amen. Amen. And if the Lord Jesus postpones it anymore, we'll be so caught up in the glory. You know, in Midland, Pennsylvania, we'll be so caught up in the glory by the time it comes, we'll not came. <laughs> I mean, the tribulation, see? So just get caught up into that. And you say, what tribulation? Well, oh, didn't you see all them? No, I was caught up in the glory of God. 
Let's face it. There's enough light given to us in these epistles that we should be walking. Well, he said we owe it to him to walk even as he walked. So put away all those questions that gender strive. Don't bother me saying that I'm saying nothing. These things aren't important. I didn't say that. I said each dispensation gives more light, more light, more light, more light. You are living in a dispensation with the most light. Okay? Think about the millennial reign. They're going to have some kind of light. Jesus. I live with him on earth. I mean, that's pretty good. But blessed be God, we can do everything right now in this dispensation because we are the first fruits of that eternal life, the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, Matthew's Gospel, the first chapter, he said he came in the, in the first chapter, the 18th verse. We can start reading there. This is the why of Jesus. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found a child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth the Son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He shall what? Why did he come? From what? You mark that down. He came to save us from our sins. Why did Jesus come? He came to save us from our sins. Uh, let's... Yeah, let's do that right now. Let's look at Hebrews 10 chapter. If I, if I preach on every one of these things I'm going to give you, we'd be here for quite a while. So what I'm going to do is give you an outline and let you do the work. You do all the all the work. Let's find out why this body was prepared. Let's just read these few verses here. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can ever with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continue to make the covers there unto perfect. Verse 1. Verse 2. For then would they, not, they would have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, when he cometh, when he cometh, when he come for? Therefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. Now here it comes. See? The body was prepared for him. I'm living in that dispensation that I need to know what happened with Jesus and why he came. Okay. A body was prepared for him. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written to do thy will. The reason why Jesus came was to do the will of the Father. Remember that. It'll kick that phrase out of your thinking, if it be thy will. Because Jesus is the express will of the Father. In Hebrews 1, he is called the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. He came to do the expressed will of the Father. That's why he came. That's why the body was prepared. That's why Mary conceived in her womb Jesus of Nazareth. For that purpose, to come, and number one, to do the will of God the Father, and to save us from our sins. Look at verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. He came also to fulfill. And you're going to see that in our next... Go back to Matthew 5. He not, only, not only did he come to do the will of the Father. Well, actually, that's why he came. To do the will of the Father. Which includes 
Number one, the taking away of our sins, the saving us from our sins. Because those offerings, if you'll study the dispensation of the law, those offerings that were offered up for sin could not, could not, could not, could not take away from our consciousness sin, guilt, condemnation. It couldn't remove it. It couldn't take it away from us. It just couldn't do that. So somebody else had to come and the body was prepared for him so that he would come in to do this. To do the will of the Father. To remove from us sin. Sins. Sin nature and sins, you know, themselves. Okay? In the fifth chapter, as relating to what he said in Hebrews here, he talks about fulfilling the law. Fifth chapter of Matthew. Remember when Jesus was up on the mountain, he gave his address there on the mountain. Verse 17. Think not that I have come to destroy the law. See, notice he says, I have come. Wherever you see what he says, I have come for, that's what he came for. I have come to do something. If he came to do something, we've got to know what he came to do, and then we've got to find out whether or not he did it. And if he did it, what does it mean to you and I? Okay? I came not to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy, but I came to what? So you see, we don't live under the law. We don't live under the old covenant. We don't live in that dispensation any longer. It has been fulfilled. There are, there are some, and it's sad to say, some Christians today. I talked to one person and said, I'm having a hard time whether I should live my life by, by, the, by the law or by grace. I said, what? But I mean, to him, he, he was serious. Born again, yes. But he said, I just want to live so holy before God. And, you know, and I figured if I don't do this and I don't do that, I said, boy, you've got it backwards. You can't do that because the law said you couldn't do that. The only way you can live holy before God is by walking in the Spirit, and that's under grace. Isn't that right? So he came not only to fulfill the law, he came to take away our sins or to redeem us or save us from our sins, and he also came to do the express will of the Father. Let's look at something here in Luke 19. I'm going to give you all the scriptures for these, that way you can know them for yourself. Then do your own study on it. Luke 19, 10. Actually, here's a twofold purpose in this 10th verse that I think we missed and we should understand if we're going to understand why Jesus came. In verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man is come to seek. And to save, now notice the expression, that which was lost. Now, I know we use that and say, well, he came to seek and save the lost, you know, and redeem us from our sins. But he's saying more than that. He came, yes, to seek the lost, but he came to save that which was lost. Well, what was lost? Now you've got to go back to another dispensation. You've got to go all the way back to Adam, you see. And if you'll study in that dispensation, you'll find out that Adam lost. And there's some knowledge you can gain. There. There's a light that you need to know. And isn't it something how it just happens to be in the book of Genesis for you and I to find out? Isn't it nice that God in that dispensation gave us enough knowledge there so we can understand exactly that which was lost? Remember when uh, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness of the devil and he came and took him on the pinnacle of a mountain? Uh, the temple rather, and he said unto him, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Because that which was delivered unto me, I'll give unto you to whomsoever I will. That's what I'm going to give to Jesus, you know, spoke the word and rebuked him and etc. etc. You know the whole story. But he said, that's what was delivered unto me. Now, there's just enough light. Some people that read over the Bible quickly, they never grab a hold of this. But there's just enough light for you and I to know that Adam had a legal amount of time. Adam had authority. He had a right. He had dominion. He had a certain 
if you want to call it dispensational time, he had a certain amount of time to live his life upon this earth and make his choice, make his decision. And he turned the whole thing over to the devil. So Jesus came to do the will of the Father, to redeem us from our sins or to save us from our sins. That's why the body was prepared. To fulfill the law, then you need to know that. Why did he come? You see, he came to fulfill the law. And he also came to seek and save that which was lost. And we're going to give you the answers to all these questions. To seek and to save that which was lost by Adam. Boy, when you find out that he did all these things, you're going to get your shouting clothes on and get to going. Because he did. Okay? Alright, now, First John, let's go there. Why did he come? Why did he come? First John, the third chapter, I'm sure you're familiar with the text. Verse 8, let's just show it to you. Why did he come? Okay? He that committed sins of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning, for this purpose. For this purpose. For this purpose. Is the Son of God manifest? That he might destroy. That he might what? Destroy the works of the devil. Came to do the will of the Father. Didn't he? Came to save us from our sins. Didn't he? Came to fulfill the law. Didn't he? Came to destroy the works of the devil. Getting good. That's why he's come. See? That's why he's come. It says right there. Now you ready? Go back to John's Gospel. Tenth chapter. Verse 10. I am come. Huh? I, why did he come? I am come that they might have Zoe and they may have it more abundantly. Now think about this for a minute. That puzzled me. That we might have Zoe, eternal life. But how more abundantly? Now, you don't have, I'm not going to be dogmatic about this, and you don't, you know, have to accept it. But I think he uses that, that phrase more abundantly for a purpose. I mean, just having enough the life of God in you is enough. I don't think you can get more abundant than that. But I think he was tacking that on at the end of that to express to us the intent of the Father God. Satan came to kill, steal, and to destroy, and his work was manifest in the heart of God's creation. Isn't that right? And, I mean, killing, stealing, and destroying is, I mean, you know, just look around it. It's ruling. You know, was ruling throughout the entire human race ever since the fall. Man's heart was wicked, etc., etc. In other words, Satan's work in the heart of man was a great work. It was. It changed his very nature. It changed his, uh, his person. It, it made him turn from faith to fear. I mean, it, it was just total chaos. He just destroyed the work of God. But Jesus said, I came that you might have Zoe. And that Zoe would be in you more abundantly than death was in you. You born again? Let's, let's start saying some things. The work that Satan did in me to Adam is not greater than the work that Jesus did in me 
when he died and was raised from the dead. And that life is more abundant in me than the life of the devil. And that means I'm walking not in theft and stealing and killing and destroying. I'm walking in mercy. I'm walking in compassion. I'm walking in the very life and the very full of God's divine nature. More abundantly now than what that was doing in me before I got saved. Ah, glory to God, more abundantly than that. Do you see that? That's what he's saying to us. I came that you can have this life and have it more abundantly. If death reigned by one, Adam, and sin by death, beloved, Jesus came so that life could reign inside and you could reign through Jesus Christ in this life more abundantly than death is ruling and reigning. We should never talk about, oh, the devil's so big. We should never talk about, look at what the devil's doing on the earth. Let's talk about what Jesus Christ of Nazareth is doing in our hearts, in our lives, in our villages, in our cities, in our countries. Blessed be God, eternal life is greater than death. And not shrink back at, because, oh, did you see this happen? Oh, this world's so terrible. Blessed be God. No, it's not. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. I gave you life. And that more abundantly than death, there's more abundant life to go around than death ever had. Glory to God. I'm getting to the results. I'm not finishing what I'm telling you. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> well, he didn't come to condemn the world. John 3.17, you could write that down. For the Son of Man has not come in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be. Man, that encompasses everything you can think of. You mean, we are living in a dispensation that if these things, these things are really fulfilled, do you know what He's saying? We've been elevated to a plane higher than Adam. <coughs> One of equality with God. Heirs of God. Join us with Jesus. It's as if Adam partook of the tree of life and became one with the Father God for eternity. What was it called? The tree of what? The wholesome tongue and deal of what? You couldn't take partake of that tree until Jesus came and found a way. Isn't that right? Think about it. Think about it. If this, Jesus came to do this and he did and fulfilled it, the struggle's over. The battle's been won. And then you remember with me, Luke's Gospel, the fourth chapter, I'm sure you remember. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath known me to preach God to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken heart of his lips, to cover the sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Oh, beloved, if we only knew what the acceptable year of the Lord was. The year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee. Whenever man's possessions came, their possessions again. Oh, blessed be God when everybody was delivered and everybody was set free again. The year of Jubilee. Well, did he do it? Did he do it? Did Jesus do it? Did he save us from our sins? Hebrews, the ninth chapter, tells us, you know, we already found out in 2 Corinthians that he became sin for us and no sin that we could be the righteous of God in him. But Hebrews tells us exactly what he did. He became sin. He entered into the holies of holies with His own blood to put away sin for you and for me. You see? He walked in there with His own blood. He went there, you see. Paid the price. Sprinkled the blood upon the mercy seat, the heaven chance of worship. Put away one. Put away one. What did He put away? 
Someone says, I'm just having a problem with sin. You know why? You forgot it was put away. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. You forgot. Sin hath no more dominion over you. When could a man say on the face of this earth, when could any age or any dispensation or any generation other than the generation of Adam say on this earth, sin hath no dominion over me? When? There wasn't one. No, each dispensation just shows us God's great working and His great plan and, you know, how He's going to change the order of things. But it took 4,000 years to bring it to pass. Each dispensation goes by. Each age goes by. Beloved, you and I live in the greatest of all the ages that have ever been. An age when the work of the devil has been destroyed in the heart of man. And once again, we become one with the Father God. Hallelujah. And don't have to live under the authority of the rule of the dominion of death any longer. That's what we live in now. Time's not going to permit me to give you all the scriptures. But not only did he, did he do that, over there in Colossians, the second chapter, if you remember, he came to fulfill the law. He took, when he went into the regions of hell, spoiled principalities and powers. And he took the handwriting of the ordinances that were set against us and nailed them to the cross. Jesus did. Meaning he fulfilled the law. The law had been fulfilled in him. Love worketh no ill towards his neighbor, so then love is the fulfilling of the law. Jesus was love in person. He fulfilled the law. The law was fulfilled in him. I'm not under the law, but I am under the dispensation of the grace of God. And this knowledge is causing grace and peace to be multiplied unto me. See, he did it. He nailed it to the cross. He came to do it and he did it. It's finished. Remember over there in John's Gospel, the 19th chapter, somewhere around verse 30, he stood and said, it is finished. It is finished. What was he talking about? He was talking about the law. It's finished. See, the curtain from top to bottom was written twain. The holies of holies was open. The law no more existed. It was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It was put away. We don't have to live by any law any longer. The commandment of love. By grace. Think about it. It's done. See, Jesus in the Gospels was saying what you could be if... What you could be if. If you had the faith, you could. If thou canst believe, you could. If this, if that, you could. I don't live in a dispensation of it. We live in a dispensation of fact. It's done. It's finished. I have it now. Think about that. I'm not trying to get it any longer. We have it. You have it. I have it. Then over there in John 14, I'm sure... I'm sure you know this scripture. But you remember in connecting it with what we're talking about. He said the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek what was lost. What was lost? Adam, in the cool of the day, walked into the presence of the Almighty God. He had the way. He just walked with Him. He just talked with Him. He said, Abba, Father, so he could just look up to the Father God. There He is, my Creator. I'm walking with Him in His presence. He's talking to me and I'm talking to Him. Very wonderful communion, wonderful fellowship. Can you imagine walking and talking with God? Never since the dispensation of Adam, every creation, could a man walk in the presence of the Almighty God and talk with Him? He came to seek and say that which was lost. And then He said these words, I am the way. John 14, 6. That's what He said. I am the way. What way, Lord? What, did, 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 you mean you did it? 
You mean when Adam was kicked out of the garden and he couldn't get back to the tree of life? And he couldn't get back to your presence? He couldn't talk to you any longer? And man, from that day, just got worse off and worse off and worse off and worse off and further and further and further and further from the way into your tree of life, from the way to your presence, from the way of your intent, from the beginning of the world. You mean man got further? Yes. But Jesus said, I am the way. I have found the way. I am the way. He came and sought it and He saved that which was lost and brought you and I into a place that we could walk with Him right into the heavenly holies of holies. Sit down with the Father God and say, Father, I just come here just to talk to you like Adam did. Only I'm not on Adam's level. I'm a joint heir. Through Jesus. Heir. Joint heir. Equal ownership. To the kingdom of God. Oh, would these natural brains of ours make room for revelation knowledge of God's holy word and let the spirit of God quicken within our hearts what he's saying to us. What happened to the Father God? Jesus found the way. He did. He did. Found the way. No man come unto the Father but by me. Never in any other dispensation can anybody say, Excuse me, I'm walking to the Father. I'm not trying to talk to you today, brother. I'm going to see the Father. What Father? Father God. No, they couldn't say that under the law. Only the high priest under so great precautions could he dare in truth in the presence of the Almighty God. But ye, brethren, therefore, have in boldness. Enter in by the, the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. He did it. He did it. He did it. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to try to find it. He did it. He fulfilled that. The way is open. He came. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Hebrews two. Let's read it together. Two fourteen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Nobody destroyed the works of the devil ever. He had dominion. It was legally given to him. And until the time that Adam's lease runs out, even though he is legally defeated, it will not be vitally yours unless you press in and take it by force. Because he says, as long as you're walking in this flesh and blood body, as long as you're standing on this earth, he says, I'm going to stand in every inch of your way to stop you from getting what's yours. Through the knowledge of him. You ready for it? Here it is. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part. Why did he take part of that body? Why was he born? Why did Mary give birth to this, this Son of God? Why did he come? Why was the body prepared? Let's read it. He himself also likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. You remember, we get a little bit of insight into this way back there when Pharaoh and Moses were standing together and he threw down Aaron's rod that budded. You remember? You remember the story? And it came and turned into a serpent. That's what he says. He threw death. Aaron's rod turned into a serpent, which is typical of death. It became death. It became the curse. 
uh, you, you remember. But then all the magicians, they threw down their, their straws and so on and so forth. And they all became serpents. But you see, Jesus became death and he swallowed up death by death. When Jesus was in the caverns of hell, when he became dead, he took upon himself death. He took upon himself the nature of Satan. He took upon himself uh, Adam's high treason. He became that same nature. He became death and he swallowed up death, all of death. Every snake, every serpent that, that, you know, that was typical of death came in into being at that time. That's what it's typical of. And Jesus, the rod, the word, Jesus became death. Swallowed up all of death. But he didn't stop there. The claims justice, claims the courts of justice looked down before, you see, the throes of death and hell. And when every bit of death and sin was swallowed up, he said, it's enough. And life came into him. He broke the powers of darkness. He stripped Satan, not only the keys of death, but the keys of Hades itself. He took it upon himself. He rose up victorious from the dead. And verse 15 tells you what he did. And he delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For he buried, he took not on, on the nature of angels, but he took on him us, the seed of Abraham. When he rose up from that grave of death, he destroyed death. And destroyed him that had the power of death. The devil. He's destroyed. He's destroyed. Well, did he do it? Did he do it? That's why he came. Did he do it? I said, did Jesus raise victoriously over death? Did he do it? That's how he did it. What does that mean? Death shall not rule over you. It shall not have dominion over you. You're not going to die anymore. I'm not going to die anymore. Blessed be God. We're not going to die anymore. Jesus said, He that believeth on me shall never die. What are you saying? Oh, you're going to leave this body. But you're going to slip off into glory. Nobody else could leave this body and slip off into glory. Not even under the old covenant. No. Had to go down to Abraham's bosom and wait. You and me, we just slip out of this body and slip into glory. I'll tell you something else right now. If you're slipping into glory right now, you know, you just may be just like Elijah went up there on a chariot. Flames of fire. That's right. That's what he said there. When death would be swallowed up of life. Zoe. The life of Jesus Christ made manifest in my mortal flesh. See, in this dispensation, beloved, it's fact that's legal that he did this, but listen to me. It will not be until the millennial reign, it will not be manifest in the natural world. In other words, all this legality, all that Jesus has done for you and for me, you have got to get it by faith. You're not just going to walk up, get out in the morning and just walk over in it. You're not just going to just get out of bed and not. You're going to be confronted with death every moment of every day of your life. 
It's going to stare you in the face. But the Bible tells me that my God has prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. It tells me I'll be walking through the valley. This is the valley of the shadow of death. It's only a shadow. At one time it was, you know, powerful and dominant. But blessed be God, now it's only a shadow. I'm not afraid of my shadow. Are you afraid of your shadow? Blessed be God, this world is nothing but a shadow of death. And I just walk through it and I have no fear of evil for thou art with me in thy rod. That word and that staff, that comforts me. Blessed be God. There's a table prepared. I eat from the table of God's word. And blessed be God in Jesus' name. None of it has any effect over me. I keep myself in the love of God. He that is born of God keepeth himself, sinneth not. You see, he said in 1 John 5, 18, And that wicked one toucheth him not. When you realize that sin has been put away and sin has no dominion over you, you'll begin to walk in the love of God and you'll walk free from sin. And when you walk free from sin, it will be a reality in your life right here on this earth. You'll be walking with God just like in the millennial reign. Germs and disease will touch your body and they'll die. You've got to pay a price. Oh, I'm not talking about some religious organization. I'm talking about living the resurrected life. Are you game? Are you ready to look the devil in the face and say, I defy you by the name of Jesus. Death, depart from me. If you've got the knowledge that Jesus did it for you, you will. I'll tell you what, I got a little fanatical. I was telling you. I said I got fanatical. I did. BJ got attacked. Oh, I don't like when my kids get attacked by the devil with sickness and disease. Early in the morning hours, you see, he had vomited and so on and so forth. Something attacked him. And uh, she says, I got up and prayed and read the Bible to him and started reading the word to him. And he went back and he was fine. Well, you know that he likes to counterattack you. He thinks maybe your back's turned or something like that. I was over here at the church and uh, she was busy preparing. She had a lot of stuff to do. And he, he was acting up again. And so he's laying down on the couch. And uh, she covered him up. Just to get him, you know, let him be heating sleep. Like I said, he was up a little bit in the early hours in the morning. And so she laid him down there on the couch. And, uh, you know, I just come in to get, to get lunch. And I walked over and she said, you know, come over here and let's pray. Well, I thought about it for a minute. And uh, I said, you already prayed. I know you already prayed. And she did already pray. And we praised God for that. Then she went off into the other room. And I said, well, how did I tell you what I'm going to do? I just grabbed him. He was laying on the couch there. Because I just can't stand there, stand here and watch him be sick. I just couldn't stand it. Something on the inside rose up. I said, I just don't want this to be. And grabbed him out from my other coach. And I start running around the house. <laughs> I just start running around the house. I said, devil, 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 in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It's already been provided for. He took his firm to the sicknesses. And I'll tell you, I just start singing. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, and it does, it'll quicken this mortal body by a spirit that dwells in him. Blessed with me, God. And I start singing, 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 And just glorifying God. Singing it, singing it. And put him down and put him back, back to the church. And he just ran and played the rest of the day. <laughs> but you've got to know. You got to know. Thank God for the victories. Thank God for the victories. Every victory I get, I'm going to shout about it. I'm going to glorify God about it. I'm going to praise the Lord about it. I'm going to tell about it. Hallelujah. I'm not going to talk about what the devil's doing. I'm going to glorify God. Hallelujah. But I'll tell you what, you have to take the force. You, have to, you can't just sit there and let it be sick, see? You just can't pamper them. I mean, I understand as a parent, you know, you want to pamper your kids. I understand that. And don't you think that my flesh and my senses and everything hurts? My wife's flesh and her senses, she wants to just love them up and just pamper them and hold them in her arms. And you know what I'm saying? But there comes a time you've got to grab a hold of them and just say, hey, look, get your hands off my child. 
I'm taking it by force. It's been provided for. And I'm stepping in and taking that healing by force. And sometimes that's why you miss it, because you don't do it immediately, just like that. But you sit back and accept it. It gets on you, then it's hard for you to get rid of it. You've got to do it. You've got to do it right away. You've got to grow into this knowledge. You've got to understand what he's talking about. Well, praise God. Hallelujah to Jesus. I got more talking about myself. Well, death reigned. It reigned. But you know what happened, beloved? Jesus came. I said Jesus came. Did he do it? Did he do it? Did he destroy him in that power of death that is the devil? Did he enter into the strong man's house? Did he bind up his goods? Did he bind up that strong man? Did he spoil his goods? Did he divide his spoil with you and me? He got back to the authority. Adam had lost. He saw it. You see, he saved that which was lost. He bought up the strong man, gave it to you and me. Now are you ready for the finality of all this? He got you. That was once in death. And made you pass from death into life. <coughs> Beloved, let me say that again. Death passed upon all men through Adam. No one can say before this dispensation and generation. You have passed from death into life. I'm in it. I'm not trying to get there. I am in the family of God. I am in the life of God. I just accept the fact that that's why I am. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and the virtue. You know what He's saying? You've been called to a place that glory could live through you. The Spirit of God is glory. It could live through you. It could swallow you up. This mortal body could be swallowed up of Zoe life to the place that you could become lost in God. Lost in God. A place where death cannot touch. A place where sin cannot sting. A place where sickness cannot live. A place of the glory and the virtue of God. You know why the virtue? Because when someone touched Jesus, that virtue had gone out of him and healed her. And when you get to that place, that virtue that you've been called to will flow out of you and heal them. Those that have not yet attained. Are we saying we've all attained? No. I'm pressing on. Are you? Are you? You know that flame that he saw? Moses saw the burning bush? Look in a mirror sometime. Think about it. In the face of Jesus Christ, you are being changed into that same image from glory to glory. That's your calling. I want to walk as you walked. I owe it to you. That's why I came. That's why you're here. Is that the cry of your heart today? Do you want to go all the way with God? I want to go all the way. 
Don't you want to go all the way? Oh, bless God. I want to walk in the throne. Pal around with the Lord. Walk into the world. Get them all delivered. Walk into the throne. Pal around with the Lord, the Father God. Amen. Jesus made the way clear so I could do it. And then walk back around and get them delivered. I want to do it. I want to do it. That should be your cry, the cry of your heart. That's why he came. Know that so you can fit, figure on a piece of paper when the rapture's coming. I mean that. I mean that sincerely. Get your eyes on the right dispensation. Get your heart on the right thing. Don't dare let sin live and reign in your body. Put that number one. Don't let death even come near you. You should be so opposed to death as David was to Goliath. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dare defy the army of the living God? Who is this <coughs> devil, this Satan, that dares come near the temple of the living God? Living God? What is this germ, sickness, and disease that dares approach the throne of the living God that's in my heart? And the temple God that has his life lost in God. I beg your pardon, leave. You should be that way. Well, when we get the full revelation of it, beloved, the labor stops. You're walking in the 91st song. Excuse me, I dwell in the sixth place most high now. I bow to Shanti Mike. He's my reference for to God. You walk out the streets tonight and say, Well, now, dear God, well, I'm afraid of the terror by night. No, you won't. You won't be afraid of the terror by night. No errors that fly by day. No other pestilence walk in the darkness, especially the new day. God will fall aside in that right hand. Won't come down to you. Won't come down to you. Won't come down to you. You'll see the reward of the wicked. But because you made the Lord God your refuge, the most higher habitation, no accident or evil will befall. No plague will not be. What do you think he's talking about? Are those just fancy scriptures? I'm going to get to that place. No evil shall befall. No plague come down my tongue. Why? Angel of Tarbo, keep me on my ways. Bring up your hands, you guys don't put this stuff. And because I set my love upon him, delivered me, called upon him, and he answers me. He's with me in trouble and delivers me, he honors me. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. 
I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.